The scripture reading will be taken from Psalms 51, verses 9 through 12. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Good morning. Happy New Year. It is great to see you here this morning. We're glad that you made it a point to be here. We've got some visitors with us. We're glad for you to be here, and uh, we know that um, you'll be encouraged and edified by the worship this, this day and for uh, the fellowship that we have as saints, and we hope it is that you're made to feel welcome. And if you're not, please come and tell me, but uh, I know that that's not going to be the case. But we're glad that you're here and hope it is that you'll come back and be with us at every opportunity. Uh, just to put in a plug for this evening's uh, lesson, uh, it's one of the uh, asking for a friend, the cards that, uh, that was, were received. Uh, one of them was about global warming. Should, what should a Christian's response be to global warming? Is that anything that a Christian should be concerned about? If you've ever wondered about that or if you've ever thought about that uh, or maybe you've got some friends or family members that uh, think about that, we are going to deal with that this evening from a biblical standpoint and uh, hope it is that you'll be here this evening as uh, somebody who is interested and in, you talk about hot button issues and things that are relevant to this world, that's one of them. And so it is that uh, I know you'll be encouraged by, again, the worship this evening, but uh, especially the lesson, and hope it is you'll bring your Bible and be ready to, uh, uh, ready to study with us. Sometimes you're playing a game, and you're uh, with family or friends, and maybe it's a board game, and, and it's one of those that with the dice. And as you're rolling the dice... Uh, one of them happens to go a little bit too far on the table and go on the floor. Happens, seems like, sometimes with younger children a whole lot more than it does with older children. But what do you do in those situations? Well, there's a couple of options. You can go underneath the table looking for that dice and find out, or that die, and find out where, uh, what number it landed on and then add it up to the other one and see, uh, see about doing that. Play it where it lies, right? Or you can do what we normally do and say, let's have that to do over. You get a do-over. Golfers call this mulligan. When a golfer takes a shot and that shot uh, hooks or slices and that shot doesn't go exactly where that golfer wants to, the golfer can call mulligan. Really, that just simply is a fancy word that says, I made a horrible shot and I want to do over. As you look at Psalm 51, I had originally thought about saying that David in this psalm is looking for a do-over, but that's not true at all. You see, in life, unlike games that we play, we don't get it to do over. We don't. And that's the sad truth of the fact. And sometimes it can be that we're so busy beating ourselves up or so busy living in the past and saying, oh, if I just had it to do over again, I wouldn't have made that choice. If I just had it to do over again, I would have chosen something completely different. Oh, for another chance to do that. When in reality, that chance is gone. When in reality, there is no more doing over. We just finished 2019. We are now in the year 2020. And forever, whatever 2019 was in your life, in my life, we don't get it to do over again. 
whatever the failures, whatever the problems, whatever the difficulties, whatever the ways that we looked at ourselves and said, if I had it to do over again, I would have made this other choice. If I had it to do over again, I would have chosen something completely different. We don't get to do that. The thing that we do is we have a chance instead of a do-over to pray for the same thing as what David or in Psalm 51. And that is simply with the word renewal. The word renewal. What David wanted more than anything else was not a do-over, but a renewal because he knew that he couldn't go back and undo the choices that he had made that led to Psalm 51. If you are unfamiliar with Psalm 51, you may jot down on a sheet of paper or maybe out in the margin of your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, because that is the historical context. That's the reason why we have Psalm 51 in our Bibles. You see, in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we have a record that in the springtime, all the kings were going out to war. I guess they took a hiatus for the difficult months, for uh, the winter, so that uh, just as soon as the frost was gone, as soon as the snow melted, all the kings said, all right, we're going to take our armies out. We're going to go try and conquer other lands. That context begins with David deciding to stay home while all the other kings were going. David sent his captain, his, his, his military commander, Joab, to go to that war. And David, while he's there by himself, perhaps with a relatively empty Jerusalem, except for all the women and maybe some of the elderly men, he's there by himself. And as it is that he's walking around on his balcony one evening, he goes out and looks and sees a woman who is bathing on her rooftop. And he sees her, and he desires her. He wants her. He goes and he sends for his servant and says, Who is that? And they say, Well, isn't that the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Isn't that Bathsheba? And he goes and he sends for her. And she comes to his house, and he has an unlawful sexual relationship with her. He has an adulterous relationship, as the Bible would term it. And she goes back to her own house. And later on, Bathsheba then sends to David, and she says, David, I'm with child. I'm going to have a baby. David goes into full panic mode, and he begins to say to himself, I don't want to be caught with this. I don't want this to happen. I've got to find a way to cover this up. His grand idea is he sends a messenger to go and to find uh, your, uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, and to bring him home. And David brings him home and says, hey, how's the war going? How's everything doing? And he got, says, here, uh, Uriah, go down to your house. You see, Uriah wasn't. Uriah was a noble man. Uriah was a man of integrity. And he didn't go into his house and go in and enjoy the pleasure of uh, spending time with his wife. Instead, Uriah camps out his front doorstep. And David said, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? And, and Uriah's uh, answer is, listen, I'm not going to go in and enjoy a pleasurable time with my wife whenever it is that my, my friends, my, my fellow comrades, my soldiers are, are there in the midst of battle. So David tries again. He tries to get Uriah drunk and, and sends him home. But Uriah does the same thing again. So much so that David writes down an order for Joab that says, Joab, whenever the battle is the fiercest, you put Uriah right there in the middle. And then just as Uriah is there, you call the uh, sounding for withdrawal and separate yourself and the troops from Uriah. And he writes that down, seals it up with the king's seal, and gives it to Uriah to take back to Joab, the military commander. 
he sends him back, and Joab sends, perhaps some days later, a note that says, Uriah the Hittite has been killed. After Uriah is dead, there's a period of mourning, and Bathsheba then comes into David's house, and he marries her. I don't know what was going on in David's mind at that point, except maybe whew, disaster averted, crisis averted. But then you get to 2 Samuel 12, and it says, the Lord sends Nathan the prophet to go to David. And as Nathan goes, he tells David this parable about this rich man who has plenty, who has a ton of flocks and sheep and has a ton of possessions. And as it is, as there's a traveler who comes in from out of town, and David uh, t- and, and Nathan tells the, about this king or this man who has all these things, and a t- traveler comes to town, he says, you know what, I'm not going to feed him with one of my flocks. Instead, I'm going to go to this poor man's house where all he has is this one little baby ewe lamb. And he loves it just like one of his own children. And that rich man goes and he grabs that ewe lamb and he sacrifices it. He kills it and serves it to his guest. And David, oh, David gets really indignant about this. And David gets so upset and he says, that man's going to die. That man deserves to pay for what he's done. And Nathan all of a sudden says, David, you're the man. You've done this. In response to that episode, we have the words of Psalm 51. See, David couldn't go back and undo the damage that he had done, both with Bathsheba and with Uriah. He couldn't owe and undo the hurt, and yes, he could not go and undo the sin that he had committed. But instead of asking for a mulligan or a do-over or a repeat or whatever the term is that we want to use, David was looking for renewal. Are you prepared to have a happy new year? Here are three things that I might humbly suggest that can make this the happiest year of your life. And it has nothing to do with mulligans or do-overs. It has to do with renewal. From Psalm 51, if you would read with me, please. The first thing is to understand that we can let God forgive you. You want to have a happy new year. You want to make this the happiest year yet. Let God forgive you. Here is the words, here are the words of a man who was broken by sin from 2 Samuel 11 or 2 Samuel 12. Looking at the choices you've made over the course of your life, there surely are some things that you ought to look at and say, I was foolish. I was wrong. I really shouldn't have done that. If I only had it to do over again and we beat ourselves up about those things, look at what David prays four times in two verses. Verse 1, have mercy on me, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly, cleanse me from my sin. Two verses, there's four appeals already for washing, for cleansing. Jump down to verse 7, purge me with hyssop. That was a plant used for Jewish purification purposes. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Look down at verse 9. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Culminating in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You know what sin can do to us sometimes? It can make us so hag-ridden by the past that we never live with the beauty of God's forgiveness. 
We can spend so much time feeling sorry for our sins and the fallout for our sins and our guilt from our sins that we never understand the full grace and, and forgiveness of our sins. I don't want to deal with this pain anymore. This is not a man who's just simply ca casting up and saying, God, forgive me of all my sins, whatever they may be. This is a man who's got something very specific on his mind. God, this is a way that I have failed you, and I have failed you royally. Literally, God, uh, David might say. I don't want to deal with this pain anymore. When you look at your choices and my choices, and the things that we've made, there are some who suffer because of maybe something like abortion, where it is that they look back at their life and they say, I was completely wrong about that choice. I realized what I did was commit murder and allowing that person to take that baby out of me that was living, a living baby. Maybe sometimes it is our young people suffer sometimes, or even older folks, because of uh, extra or premarital sex. Maybe it is that older folks struggle sometimes with how they rear their kids and looking back at those painful choices and, and looking and saying, I wish I could do it over again, and we can't. We're stuck with what it was that was happened, that we, the choices that we made in the past. Sometimes young people can say hurtful things to their parents. Sometimes it is that words can come out that can damage that relationship indefinitely. And we look at those things and we say, oh, I don't want to think about that anymore. I wish I could have a mulligan. Maybe it is there's a failed marriage involved. And what happens is the real issue comes is that guilt and that pain, even a forgiven sin, we can beat ourselves up so much that it doesn't even feel like forgiveness. I can recognize mentally that I'm forgiven of my sins. But emotionally, I can still, with my mind's eye, go back to those situations and those times and those occasions where I thought, oh, I wish I could do it over again. Why can't I feel better about this? Why can't I know God's beauty of the forgiveness? And what that's going to lead to is really bitterness towards God. Questioning if God can really forgive something that I've done. Questioning if why God would allow the pain of the guilt to hurt worse than the pain of the sin. It can even hurt us to the point of wanting to give up, to say if that's what forgiveness feels like, I don't want any part of that. Brothers and sisters, if God has forgiven us, then we need to think differently about our sin and our mistakes and the things that we want so badly to go back and redo. Instead, Jesus would say, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Because he will. When you look and understand there's humility before God that David is displaying here, and there's a cleansing power that he has, brothers and sisters, that enables us to soak up the love and the mercy of his grace. Rather than reveling in the pain of the past, what if instead we chose to revel in the great kindness of Him hiding His face from your sin and my sin? You see, there's one means by which God does that. If you're outside of Christ this morning, the means by which God will forgive you of your sins. And as Isaiah would say, as far as the east is from the west, so He will remove your sin from you. 
And God, one of another one of the prophets said that he's cast our sins into the depths of the sea. He's blotted them out. He will remember them no more from Jeremiah. There's one basis if you're outside of Christ by which he will forgive you and give you that kind of love where you can soak up his forgiveness and his grace. And that means for forgiveness is the blood of Jesus. Revelation 1 verse 5, he has washed us in his own blood and cleansed us from our sins. Romans 6 verses 3 and 4. If there is one remedy for your life to where you don't have to deal with the guilt and the pain of sin anymore, that is the blood of Jesus. But, 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 speaking to Christians, the majority of which I believe this morning, if you struggle with the grace and mercy of forgiveness, there is one basis by which God forgives you, and that is the blood of Jesus. Here's the thing. When you have those moments, when you go back and you revisit a painful episode or a painful memory, instead of looking and exploring all the depths of that pain, because that's what our minds sometimes are trained to do, instead of spending time looking and feeling that hurt over and over and over again, stop your mind dead in its tracks with a prayer. God in heaven, if I had it to do over again, I would have done differently. But God in heaven, because I don't, I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. I know that you've forgiven me of those things. God, use my life to glorify you throughout the rest of my time here on this earth. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And every single time you have one of those thoughts that's going to go back and try and revisit the old hurt or the old pain or old wounds, stop it dead in its track. Don't allow that thought to continue because, again, it's going to breed bitterness and jadedness and, and pain towards God and pain towards, towards your sin. Those things that God has freed us of, those things that God has, has, has erased his out of his mind, those are not things that need to plague us anymore. Let God forgive you. Number two. From Psalm 51, you want this to be the happiest year that you've ever lived. Let God forgive you, but let God, number two, fashion you. Let God fashion you. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create, the word has to do with shaping. It has to do with forming, with fashioning. You ever play with clay? You ever have Play-Doh or, or maybe Silly Putty? We used to play with Silly Putty all the time. And, and it is that you can form it, you can shape it into anything that you want to. That's what the psalmist is saying. God, you get in there, play with my heart, change my heart, fashion a heart that's going to be clean, that's going to be purified. We got some crazy Aaron's Silly Putty this, this Christmas. Crazy Aaron's putty, and I don't know if you've ever played with that, but uh, we gave it to Crazy Aaron there. And you understand that, that this stuff is, 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 well, I mean, it's viscous. It's like Play-Doh. And as you're playing with it, one of the things I caution the kids to do is take that Play-Doh and you make sure that you don't play with it on the floor. You know why? Because it's going to start picking up dog hair. It's going to start picking up people hair. It's going to start picking up things that you can't even see with the naked eye. Please don't understand. Don't misunderstand. We've got a clean house. But that stuff will have a habit of finding the dirt and the grime and those things in those places. 
And before too long, you've got a lump of stuff that's got dirt and hair and all sorts of stuff. And that's not going to be good for anybody. Imagine if you could go in there and pull all that stuff out of the crazier and putty. What David is saying is, I've got sin in my heart. I've got these things that I wish weren't there. I wish I had it to do over again. But now that they're there, God, take my heart. Fashion it differently. Create it a clean heart. Young people sometimes sing the song, Purify me, Lord, from ways that aren't of you. Note what else he prays there in verse 10. Renew within me a right spirit, a steadfast spirit, a constant, a steady, a determined spirit. Do that within me. Start from the inside, Lord, and fashion me. You have a spirit that's not bound by guilt and sin anymore. We're not, as Ephesians would say, walking according to the futility of our minds like the Gentiles, Ephesians chapter 4. We're not walking according to the course of this world, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. We are changed. We want renewal. Make me new, Lord Jesus. Make me new. Renewed with a purpose, a desire, a determination. And note what that's going to result in, verses 13 to 15. Then I will teach transgressors. Then I will turn to sinners. Then my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. My mouth will declare your praise. Sometimes it is we feel like our heart's not in it. Because it's not. Because we don't allow God to start with our hearts, with what's inside of us, and changing that from the inside out. And so we offer lip service to the Lord. We come and we sit through worship services, but we are not fashioned according to Christ. We're not changed by His forgiveness. And therefore, we're just making noise. Psalm says, God, start with my heart. God, start with the inside. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew with me, in me a steadfast spirit. Change me from the inside out. Let me tell you about the God that's forgiven me. It starts with what's inside. The change that God made in David is the same change that God makes in us based on because of the appreciation for the beauty of His forgiveness. Christians, we don't come to God. We don't come to submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus and think about taking on the shackles of a lifestyle. Well, Christianity is just a bunch of, you can't do this, can't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. It's a freedom that God offers us to live a life that's glorifying to him, that's pleasing to him, and a lifestyle that's free from the shackles of sin. We come because of the forgiveness He offers, the change He can make, and the purity of life that He gives us. And you look at His Word and understand and allow the teaching of His Word to carve away those old habits. To change the person that made those choices into somebody that makes choices based upon God and His goodness. Choices for which there are no regrets. That's the God that wants to fashion us but we have to let him. We have to submit our hearts to him and say, change this, O God. Make this different. Renew a right spirit within me. Last one this morning. You want 2020 to be the happiest year you've ever lived. Let God forgive you. Accept his grace and his forgiveness. Soak it up. Let God fashion you. Let him carve away those old habits and change you into something that pleases him. But lastly, let God fellowship 
with you. Let God fellowship you. Look at verses 11 and 12, what David prays for. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. All three of those statements have reference to the fact that David was a person who had fellowship with God. He had a understanding of the presence of God. He had the Holy Spirit of God. He had a joy of his salvation. And what? Sin caused him to lose it. But the one who God forgives, but the one who God is allowed to fashion, is the one that God is going to fellowship. What does that look like? What does that look like when God has fellowship with us? Is it some kind of mystical experience? Is it some kind of thing where we have uh, this, this mystical glow about us or maybe like the little halos like those uh, old, uh, old uh, medieval uh, uh, stained glass windows or the medieval paintings? Does that mean that we have some kind of aura about us where people can look and say, aha, I see that person is in fellowship with God? It's not like that. Just for a moment, flip over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Remember the last phrase that we used. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. As David is praying for the fellowship, a right relationship with God, look at what John writes to these Christians in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. He says, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Christians, you can have a joy that's found fully in the God who has forgiven us and the God who fashions us and the God who also has fellowship with us. But verse 6 is a caveat. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in uh, darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. You want to talk about fellowship within the bounds of God, of what it is that He wants us to have. Is understanding that part of that is spending time with the people of God. Part of that is taking joy in the fellowship of Christians, especially here in Rosenberg, Texas and surrounding areas. In understanding that He is the basis for our forgiveness, we are bound together by that common joy and common salvation in Jesus Christ, and that is the basis for our fellowship, a right relationship with God, and therefore it ought to be that we make the people of God a priority in our lives. Fellowshipping, sharing of our common faith with one another, means that we're also in fellowship with God but also understanding that in my daily walk, in my daily attendance and appointees and things that, uh, things that I've got to do, the, the, the responsibilities and the goals, is to make God a part of my life daily. What are we talking about? Practically, we're talking about 
praying? Does God want to hear from you every single day? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Does God want you to cast on him every care because he cares for you? Yes, he absolutely does. First Peter chapter 5. And does God want you to take everything big and small, all those trials, all those difficulties, all those joys, all those happy moments? The answer is yes. Is there anything too big that God can't handle? The answer is no. Is there anything too little in your life that God doesn't care about? And the answer is no. God wants to hear from you. God wants you to share your life with Him. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. God wants us to listen to Him. God wants us to hear His voice. God wants us to hear His voice through what it is that He has revealed in His Holy Word. Everything that He's written, everything that he is, He's inspired, breathed out, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, everything that He's mentioned, He wants us to soak up and absorb, not as some kind of academic exercise, but as some kind of life-changing, fashioning, forgiving and fellowshipping time where we get to spend with the creator of the universe to understand how much he loves us and to be able to grow, as we talked about in our Bible class this morning, 2 Peter 3.18, in the way that it is that he's pleased. Growing in grace and knowledge. Why? So that we can take our joy in his salvation. Listen, I can take a whole lot of joy in a whole lot of different things in this life. I can say that my joy is my kids, and that's absolutely true. My joy is in, in coming home to, to my wife and my children and spending time with them. Yes, absolutely true. Maybe there's teachers that say, you know, my joy is, is in going into those students every single day, and I just love teaching. That's great. Wonderful. Absolutely. It's wonderful to do something you love. But those are not joys that are going to sustain me in, 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 in happy times and in sad times. And in fact, some of those things that I've listed as joys may be not necessarily joyful as time progresses. But there's one joy that's always going to surpass them all. And that's the joy of salvation that Christ offers. That's the joy of my salvation that nobody can mess with, that nobody can touch. And as I am growing in that, as I am letting God forgive me, and letting God fashion me, and letting God fellowship me. I am changed from the inside out. I am not looking for do-overs anymore. I'm looking for renewal. And that's something we can have every single day. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We are, Colossians 3, verse 10, renewed according to the image of the one who created us. Make 2020 the happiest ever by letting God forgive you, letting God fashion you, letting God fellowship with you. Do you need the Lord this morning? Do you need the encouragement of His people? Do you need the salvation that God offers. We stand ready to help, to ready to assist. It would be wonderful if we began this very first service of 2020 to have an opportunity to see a new soul baptized into Christ who has a new opportunity to live for God that they didn't have before. Brothers and sisters, that can be yours today.
Friends, that could be yours today. Whatever your need, I want you to make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song.